Uh, we're going to continue tonight our study through the Revelation. If you want to find Revelation 18, if you're just joining us this evening, this is sort of like a running commentary. Uh, we read some verses, we stop, explain some things that are in those verses, and then we keep moving. Uh, and so tonight we've come to chapter 18. We're just about four weeks away, after tonight, about four weeks away from being able to finish the Revelation. And uh, there's only one Sunday evening between now and the finish uh, that we will have off. Uh, I won't be here speaking on that particular Sunday evening, but that's still, uh, you know, a few weeks away. So we will finish, I think, the first Sunday evening of March. That should be the last Sunday, God willing. Uh, we'll finish the first Sunday evening of March. Uh, we're in chapter 18, so as you look there, let me just bring you up to date. We were looking last week at chapter 17, and in chapter 17, we learned about this political religious system that Antichrist uses to come to power during the tribulation period. Uh, it's a politicized religious system, and they seduce other religions to become a part of them, and the result is that the Antichrist rides this to power during the first half of the tribulation, but ultimately, after three and a half years, it's destroyed. We read about that last week. In chapter 18, we continue talking about Babylon. That was the, politi that was the politicized religious system, uh, Babylon, in chapter 17. In chapter 18, we're still talking about Babylon, but we're not talking about the politicized religious system. We're talking literally about the city itself. Uh, that city during the tribulation will be the center of world government and of economic power. And so it'll be a central place uh, during that period of time. And it's going to be destroyed. It doesn't get destroyed until the end of the tribulation. Uh, the uh, politicized religious system is destroyed in the middle of the tribulation, but the city itself uh, isn't destroyed till the end of the tribulation. And that's what chapter 18 is all about. You're going to see the downfall of this central city uh, where Satan does so much of his work, where the Antichrist does so much of his work during that tribulation period. We pick up in verse 1 of chapter 18. He says, after these things, in other words, after the destruction that you just read about in chapter 17 of that politicized religious system used by the Antichrist to come to power, after these things... I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. Uh, this is uh, uh, in the introduction to what's going to be the destruction of this uh, city itself. And an angel comes to make that announcement. It's interesting, isn't it, that the earth is illuminated with his glory. Talk about the glory of angels, the, the majesty of the angels that God created. I mean, the, the glory of these angels, or this angel is able to illuminate all of this. But they're about to tell you about the destruction of this city. This angel is about to reveal the destruction of this city. And so that's where we're headed. This is commercial and economic Babylon. This is the powerful city on the Euphrates River. Verse 2. And he cried mightily, this angel cries mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a habitation of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Uh, this announcement is 
of the angelic creature. It's about the judgment on this city. And likely the reason why he says it's fallen, it's fallen, and he repeats it twice. At first it shows the utter destruction of the city. By saying it twice, he's telling you this city is going to be completely flattened. It's going to be completely destroyed. But he's also saying as well that this particular city is certainly going to be destroyed. It's fallen. It's fallen. Make no mistake about it. This center of the world during the tribulation is going to fall. It will fall. It's going to be a terrible fall. And it says this city is a habitation of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Sounds like, sound like the kind of city you want, you want to live in, right? It sounds like a city that you don't want to get out of as much as is possible. And you don't think of a bird necessarily uh, being an example or an illustration of the demonic spirits, but don't forget the parables in Matthew chapter 13 where it's a bird that comes and steals the seed uh, off of that hardened soil. And so even these birds are being used to demonstrate the evil of this city, the wickedness that exists in this city called Babylon. Verse 3, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. In other words, this opulent, rich city uh, that has been so central during the tribulation period, so central to the work of the Antichrist, uh, all of these other cities, all these other nations have come and they have become a part of, they've been seduced into a relationship with this city. It says the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. There's, there's opulence, there's riches, there's luxury in this city and that brings other cities to come into into uh, uh, communion with the, this particular city and to, to work together in this city in order to have some of this opulence and the riches for, their, for themselves. Um, while believers will be living in the tribulation and being persecuted and, and killed, you know, those that are saved after the rapture of the church, they'll be living in that tribulation period. They'll be persecuted. They'll be killed. There'll be some people who will live, be living in opulence and in luxury. Can you imagine it? Verses 4 and 5. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Are you still with me? Chapter 17 is about the politicized religious system that the Antichrist rides to power during the tribulation. Chapter 18 is about the literal city of Babylon uh, from which a lot of the work of Antichrist goes on and uh, this city that's become an economic boom town and God's going to destroy it. It's, it's a terrible destruction that we're reading about. But you notice that it says that the people of God, those that are, that are believers that are still living, it says they need to get away from this city. They need to, they need to leave this city. Don't, don't be there to share in her sins or to be a part of the plagues that are coming. I mean, he gives you the two reasons. He wants, you to, he wants them to come out. He doesn't want them to take on their ways or their practices or their ideals or their values. And he doesn't want them to be there as the destruction that he's about to send upon them is exercised. He wants them to be able to escape it by getting away from them. And so God is beginning to turn his wrath toward this city. 
verses 6 to 8. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix for her double. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen or sit as queen and am no, am, am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. You get the idea that nothing's going to be left. It's an utter, utter flattening of this city, the, the burning of this city so that it's, there's, there's virtually nothing left in this city along the Euphrates River. It's filled with all of this evil and all of this wickedness, all of this ungodliness. And yet in the midst of all of it is the luxury and all of the things that they have. But God's going to measure back to them twice as much. Um, it reminds us that we have to be careful, doesn't it? Uh, be sure your sins will what? They'll find you out. Be sure your sins will find you out. And there's going to fire, be a fire that falls on this city. And listen to the pride of this city. Listen to how arrogant she is. She says that in her heart, I, in her heart, I, I sit as queen and I'm no widow and will not see sorrow. Nobody can touch me. Is there any city that can say that before God? Absolutely not. Um, the arrogance of this city to fly in the face of the Almighty God and to say, He can't touch me. And they're about to find out this terrible destruction that's coming upon them. Verses 9 to 11. And the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxurious with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that, might, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. All these other nations that have been coming to this economic center, suddenly it's all gone. Uh, the riches are all gone. The city is flattened. It's burned. They're left desolate. And what do these people do? What do these other nations do? They stand at a distance and they watch it all unfolding. And they weep and they mourn because their prosperity is gone. The ability of their prosperity is gone because this city is gone. It's interesting that all of those merchants and wholesalers who have earned great sums of money because of her, will stand at a distance. They're not going to come help her. They're not going to come to her aid. wouldn't help them anyway, would it? When the Lord turns his wrath against this city, it's going to be destroyed. But the fact of the matter is, they want no part of it themselves. They were willing to be a part of the city when, when it was rich and it was prosperous and they could come to the city and do as they wished, but now it's going to be utterly and absolutely destroyed. And so they stand off at a distance and they watch the destruction of God. It reminds me of Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament, right? Uh, this, those two wicked cities, when God rained down his fire on those two cities and he utterly destroyed them. That's the picture. That's the picture of this tribulation Babylon, this city where this 
politicized, uh, this politicized uh, religious system existed, but now this profitable economic power existed, and it's going to be utterly destroyed. Verses 12 to 14. Listen to some of the things in the city. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron and marble and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots and bodies and souls of men. Now we all know the things that are that are given just before that, don't we? What's he describing? He's describing the prosperity of the city. He's describing all of the merchandise of the city. He's describing the opulence of the city, all the things that are available in what has been an economic boom town. But that, that last one, bodies and souls of men, I mean, they've been trading not only in these other these other pieces of, of merchandise, they've been trading in the bodies and souls of men. We hear about it today, sex slavery. We hear about it, uh, other kinds of bondages where people are sold. Can, can you imagine? This is a city that's a center for that kind of operation. He continues, in the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you and you shall find them no more at all. And so you find this listing of these things that, that uh, are being destroyed. Let me stop here and I want to read to you a paragraph that comes from John Phillips. Dr. John Phillips, we were privileged to have him three or four times through to preach for us. You remember all of his books in the back lobby? I don't know how many, 35 or 40 different books that he had written on the different books of the Bible, but in his book on Revelation, this is what he says about the destruction of this city. What a catalog of opulence. What a vivid picture of a great commercial city trafficking in every luxury the heart could, could desire. This is the world's great vanity fair. It offers articles of adornment and display, beautiful things to grace the mansions of the world's millionaires. It deals in exotic spices and perfumes, in delicacies for the table, in provisions for banquets, in slaves, and in the souls of men. And Babylon imported all of these things. Babylon's demand for this world's goods was insatiable. Ever it clamored for more and more. And God's been watching it all. And God has seen the wickedness of it all. And God turns his wrath against it. Now, this doesn't come to the end of the tribulation. In chapter 17, that's at the middle. Chapter 18 is toward the end of the tribulation. But he turns his wrath against this city. And he's going to level this city. Verses 15 to 19. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. And every shipmaster, all who traveled by ship, sailors, and as many as traded on the sea, stood at a distance. And cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, 
what is like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. Now we're talking about a literal city. We're talking about a city that's on the Euphrates. We're talking about a rebuilt Babylon that'll exist at this particular time. But I can't help but read some of this and think of America. America has been that opulent place. We've been that place where everybody has wanted to come, where the merchants want to come. Not that there aren't other places in the world that are like that, but America has been a center for much of that. And people have come and bought and traded, and they've taken it to other places around the world. That's the picture. That's the picture you're getting here, this economic a commercial city and all of these kings of the earth sending their ships and sending their people to buy from that city so that they can take it back and they can sell it to others and they can have it in their houses and in their homes. And yet when it comes time for the destruction of the city, those who have been there to, to barter and to trade, they step back and they just watch. They've never seen anything like this before. Those who've come on ships are out away from the harbor and they're watching this unfold, this terrible tragedy of this city unfold, out here watching it occur. It's a terrible thing to behold. And did you notice he says it uh, in one hour? She's made desolate. Do you understand what he's telling you when he says one hour? He's telling you how quickly it'll happen. This isn't going to be a long, drawn-out, lengthy process. You know, we think about uh, war, and we think about t two countries fighting each other, and they bomb one another, and they send troops in. And what's going to happen in, with Russia and the Ukraine? And sending troops in and bombing and killing, and the, the war so often goes on for days on end until the victory is finally won. But when it comes to this city, it's not going to be days on end not going to be like Saddam Hussein, who was a relatively short period of time before they deposed him from power. It's going to be an hour. That means in a matter of a few minutes. In other words, God doesn't need any help when he pours out his wrath. When God brings destruction, God brings it quickly and God brings it completely against this economic and commercial city of Babylon. And did you see what it says? They'll see the smoke of her burning. It'll be rising up to the heavens. They'll throw dust on their heads, and they'll cry out. That's a sign of weeping and mourning and grief. Where are we going to turn now? Where are we going to go now? Where are we going to be able to visit and find these kinds of products that we've been purchasing in the city of Babylon? What will happen their entire self-worth, their entire happiness is wrapped up in the material possessions that are suddenly gone. I think that's a reminder that we have to be careful about putting our roots too deeply in this world. And that if everything is taken from us in this world, we still have Jesus. And that's the greatest possession there is. Amen? That is the greatest possession there is. So are you still with me now? We're looking at Babylon, that rebuilt city. Uh, Satan does much of his work from that city. The Antichrist uh, does much of his work from that city. It's this great center during the tribulation period. 
that God's going to overthrow it. It's not going to take him days or weeks or months or years. In a very short amount of time, it may literally be an hour, God will rain down his judgment and this city will be utterly destroyed. And everybody who's profited off of this city, who's been buying and selling from this city, all of them are watching it and their hearts are broken because they no no longer have that opportunity. Everything they lived for is suddenly gone. But then I want you to notice verse 20. You remember back, all the way back in Revelation chapter 6, verse 10, back when we studied back there, you say, that's been a long time, preacher. Do you remember back in chapter 6, verse 10, it talked about the saints who had been martyred, that were under the altar, and what were they crying out for? Lord, when are you going to exercise your judgment and justice on those who are acting this way? When is your judgment going to come? You remember them saying that? Notice verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Now, it's never right for us to avenge ourselves on others. That never works out well. We leave vengeance to God, right? We always leave vengeance to God. Even today, we leave vengeance to God. Because when God exercises vengeance, it's always righteous. It's always holy. It's always right. And here God says, those of you that were waiting and you were praying for that vengeance and asking when it was going to occur, you couldn't, you couldn't understand why that vengeance hadn't already occurred. He comes and he says, your prayer's answered. And vengeance has come to this wicked city and God has destroyed it in a matter of an hour. Verses 21 to 24. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone And threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city of Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of the harpists, musicians, the flutists, and the trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. And no craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. And the light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. There'll be no reason to rejoice. There'll be no sense of happiness. There'll be no sense of excitement as a young couple's thinking about marriage. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, notice the word, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. They thought that you were the answer. They thought that you were the... You are the source of all good. Your sorcery has deceived all of the nations. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. This city becomes symbolic of all of the cities of the earth that have, uh, that have persecuted and destroyed the saints of God and the prophets of God. Those who have persecuted and those who have made martyrs out of the followers of God. And he said it's going to be like a great millstone that's thrown into the sea. He's symbolizing that this city is going to be like this great millstone. It's going to be thrown to the sea, and it'll go to the bottom of the sea, and it'll never be remembered, and you won't be able to find it. You won't even be able to find it. This city will be so utterly 
wiped out and so utterly destroyed. For that matter, can you find Sodom and Gomorrah? This is the complete destruction of Babylon. All of the things that are associated with a thriving city like music and commerce and weddings and industry and all of the other things in a moment, they're all gone. And God is destroying the city. By the way, he's setting up everything for what will be his kingdom on earth, isn't he? God had predicted this total destruction of the city. You find it in Isaiah 13. You find it in Jeremiah 51. You find it here in, or a little earlier in Revelation 14.8. And now we see the fulfillment of those prophecies. And I guess maybe the practical thing that we end on this evening as we've worked through this chapter quickly is to be reminded that we have a patient and enduring God. We know that his judgment is coming. We know what the future holds. We know what he's going to do. And yet God hasn't done those things yet. And God is still giving people the opportunity to come to him in faith. Giving people the opportunity to become believers in Jesus Christ and giving them the opportunity to have eternal life with him. Can we just stop at the end here and can we say thank you, Lord, for your patience? Think about how much God chased after you, how God sought after you. you. You were running the other direction. You were trying your very best to stay away from him, but God didn't give up on you, and God kept pursuing you. And God has given us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, but there comes a point, like the city of Babylon, when the opportunities are over and God's judgment comes. And thus God destroys this politicized religious system. I should say the Antichrist destroys the politicized religious system and then God destroys the entire city. Why did the Antichrist destroy the politicized religious system? Because he sets himself up as God. He puts an idol in the temple in Jerusalem. He demands that people worship him. You can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast. He doesn't need that politicized religious system anymore after the first half of the tribulation. But ultimately, God will destroy even the city of Babylon itself. Destroy all of the city and leave nothing behind. And thus we end chapter 18. Next week we'll move to chapter 19 and we'll continue to move forward. We're moving quickly now toward the conclusion. Are you glad? Because what you're going to find in the coming chapters is the coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, you're going to find his kingdom that he sets up. You're going to find passages about uh, that heavenly city uh, where we will have access. We're going to learn that there's a place where there is no sorrow and there is no pain. There is no suffering ever again. All those things are yet ahead of us. But we're moving quickly through these seven years. And you've just seen the destruction of religious Babylon and of this economic, uh, this economic center of Babylon.